0: we're looking at the names of Jesus we started this process last week and this was going to take us a while today it's always good to look up and see that the the lesson that she's got on the notes is the one that I have down here we're going to be looking at Jesus our high priest it is always a joy to be with you and when we talk about being a priest I get very excited now you might not you might not because what do you think of when you hear the word priest if you come from a Catholic background You might think of a separate class of individuals with a distinctive dress and kind of an otherworldly life and strange, but at the same time, comfortably familiar duties. But if you're not from that background, who knows what you imagine? You might even imagine some shaman out in in the forest somewhere who mumbles and sacrifices and tosses bones about the place to see some vision. Well, what does it mean to be a priest? Before we can look at Jesus as our high priest, we've got to understand what it means to be a priest. In the Old Testament, all priests came from... And I'm going to kick that into the third row if I don't watch out. There you are. Church of Christ people aren't afraid of water, but we don't like sprinkling, so I I need to move that forward. (laughs) In the Old Testament, uh, all priests were of a certain family. Now, they, they eventually divided into two groups within that family, but let's just leave it simple for now. The Levites. Those were the people that would stand between the sinful people, no offense over here, I'm just using illustration, the sinful people and a holy God. You couldn't approach a holy God directly. You were too sinful and he was too holy. And so he established a group of people in between that were called out to be his representatives and taking his message, his grace, his forgiveness to the people and the people could take their needs, their concerns, their fears to God through the priest. Somebody had to stand in the middle. Isaiah has one of my favorite scenes in it. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne. The train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I'm ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips and live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. These circling seraphs, I mean, what's going on here? Isaiah realizes, I'm in a place I don't belong the, the seraphs are there, the seraphim the seraphim in Hebrew are, are, are flying around, there's almighty God and here I am, a man of sin who comes from a people of sin I can't be here Well, if you know the rest of Isaiah God makes it possible for him to be there And God makes his knowledge, uh, rather Isaiah's knowledge of him, greater by passing by. That's a Hebrew expression. You find it in the Bible frequently. For example, when he passes by Moses, and he passes by Elijah, when he passes by the apostles in the boat, there's a way for them to get a glimpse of his glory without receiving the full blast of it. And a word to some who might be with us today, because I understand this, I really do, i came from uh, non-belief to belief and some of you might be just trying out the jesus thing today and you're thinking what kind of egotistical maniac is god that he has to have things flying around him saying holy 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 i got it but that's not what's going on they're flying around saying holy 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 not because he wants them to but because he is and they're bringing it up it's you might think well that's their, you know, they've been up there for a while, shouldn't they be over it by now? Ah, see, that's the thing. As hard as it is to believe, as much, maybe you love chocolate cake, you know, chocolate cake, that's your thing. After six or seven of them, you begin to tire, if it's all in one afternoon, because I'm not going to tell you how I know, hush. Um, (laughs) It's kind of like people that go to Disney World. And, and there are people that go to Disney World two or three times a year, and they love it, love it, love it, and they, always, they skip in the door. They're so excited. And I, I don't get that, frankly, but fair enough, they do. Most of us would go three or four or five times and then think, let's, let's do something else. We've seen the rat. Um, we, let's, um, <laughs> let's do something else. My, if my children ever needed therapist, I am one, so... <laughs> know I cut him a deal Um, God is so holy so wonderful so amazing so righteous you don't get over it you can't get over it it's always new and exciting and mind blowing that's what's going on well he's so great and then there's us we know us come on we know us and I've you know I've talked to people to say you know I'm pretty good you know better than that everybody knows better than that we're sinful broken creatures on our best day Teens, let me, I like to apologize for every adult who has ever looked at you and said, you're not living up to your potential. little secret here. Neither did they. Not a one. Or when they say, we need you to do your best. Not a one. No. Nope. Or they'll say, we need you to give 110%. Mathematically impossible. The fact is, we are sinful creatures we know we are we don't like it we don't we don't go yay failed we don't like it but we are and God is not sinful we've got the problem and so God established an altar where you could come meet him with the priest but the altar was an ugly thing oh it's horrible you couldn't use cut stones so it had to be you know kind of jaggedy bits and you could never clean it now think about this don't want to get too gross here But you are slaughtering animals on this for a few hundred years, never allowed to clean it, burning hair, fat, and blood. Yeah, don't get downwind at all. I've been to churches before, and there are a lot of them in Scotland, that when they take communion, they only use one cup. You always want to know what side the cup starts on. Right? It's just, you know, it, if you get on the wrong side, you might get something and die. But, you know, if, you're, if you die because you took communion, that's probably your in I would think that that would, you could show them the death certificate. Um, but it's kind of like you don't want to get downwind to the altar. It's a nasty place. And why did God do that? To show us sin is nasty. This is what sin looks like to a holy God. So everything in the priest's life was to remind them they weren't supposed to be like this. They had very strict rules about cleanliness, no scars, no, uh, no deformities at all. Their clothes had to be perfect. Their, the family relationship had to be solid. Their diet, I and mean, everything was regimented. And then there was the high priest. And the high priest, he alone, was allowed to go into this special place in the, in the tabernacle first, then in the temple. This big squared off area. He could only go in at a special time once a year. He would enter, they would draw the veil and he would sit on the mercy seat and talk to God. Now, there are a whole lot of things we can talk about. We could spend the next three months talking just about that. Could we not, Albert? There's, there's enough there, Rich, to talk about that. What impresses me is that even back then God allowed us to sit in his presence. Can I have a seat? We'll talk. well, Back then, only the high priest had direct contact with God, and then only in the Holy of Holies, only once a year, in the depths of the temple, and it was under special controlled circumstances. Now, everything has changed because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Everything. Take a look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you, who's you? Good question, that's you. All of you. If you've been baptized into Christ, you are a chosen people. Well stop right there. My, uh, my parents adopted a lot. Uh, I was bloodborn, but we had a lot of adopted, and uh, we were accused of trying to get one of every color uh, because we, we did look like that 64-crayon box after a while. We were every color. Every so often, when there would be a dispute between one of the adoptees and me or one of my two uh, natural-born sisters, the adoptee would remind They just got you. They chose me. (laughs) At a point. At a point. You are a chosen people. He chose you. You are a royal priesthood. I've had people say, I don't really feel like I am. Doesn't matter. You are. Facts trump feelings. You are a holy nation. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We're going to talk about the light thing next week, but here's the point for today. Your job now is to be the priest, and you've been released from the temple. And you get to be a priest even if you're deformed and ugly and your diet's poor, because he took all of that away. You get, you're, you're, you're cut loose. Now, here's the thing. Most churches Treat Sunday morning as the most important time of the, of the week. you got to get dressed up, cleaned up, because you want God to see you looking spiffy. And then you have to sing the right songs in the right way and go through the right liturgy in the right way. And by the way, I respect that. I respect that people want to do their best for Almighty God. Got it. But the thing is... This is not the most important part of our week. This is just when the priests gather to share our songs, share our stories, share the table, and then get cut loose to go out into the world and to do in the world what the old priest had to wait to do to the temple. We get to go out there and tell people about the light. We get to go out there and forgive sins. Yes, we do. The scripture says so. We get to bless people. We get... To help people see Jesus, we get to serve them in the name of the Lord, and we get to sit down and talk to God anytime we want to because of the table, because of the cross, because of the empty tomb. We call all people to come to God. We're part of one family. Last night I did a a, a men's not really a retreat. It was just a men's evening in Hohenwald, Tennessee. If you don't know where it is, I didn't either. But found it eventually. Uh, you just keep taking worse roads. And there you are. <laughs> and we had a meal before. And I was asking some of the men, oh, where are you from? And where are you from? And you, how did you find out about this? And the man beside me was a little bit hesitant to tell me where he was from and what he did. And I picked up on that. And so I said, it's all right, brother. What do you do? And he said, well, I'm the pastor of the Baptist Church right the next block and I said well welcome brother and he looked at me that was not the experience he'd had previously and so he told me of a sheet that had been given to him by somebody to that explained to him why his church wasn't going to make it and I looked at him and I said well if God had called me to be a judge then I would judge you but he called me to be a priest and I welcome you now by whose authority by God's authority God said we're priests and then he said if you walk into a house and you call blessings down they will be blessed But if you don't they will not be Our job is to bless the people not judge them. We already got a judge. Don't take God's job bad idea Don't try to arrange a coup in heaven. Satan tried it didn't go well And if we're Christians it ought to show that we are Came back home years ago. um, We were living in another state and uh, I had to go to Walmart for something. Everybody has to eventually go to Walmart if you die outside of Christ. So I went, to, I went to Walmart, got something, came back. My wife said, how did it go? And I said, well, I met a Christian there. She goes, oh, who was it? I said, I don't know. But I just saw a lady there. And the way she treated people, the smile on her face and the peace that just radiated from her, I met a Christian. Because of God's strict requirement in the Old Testament about being without mark and being clean and such we have to be clean there's no doubt about that we're not excusing sin but here's the thing we're forgiven because of jesus christ we're not forgiven so we can keep sinning we're forgiven so we don't have to we can be free to move on i know the devil's going to remind you about it about your past he likes to do that every time he does just remind him about his future and move on because you're free and clear he isn't We're priests. Act like it. Act like it on social media, by the way, especially during an election year. Let this nation make its decision. We are a holy nation. We are strangers and pilgrims. We are aliens and wanderers. We did not pitch our tent here. We're moving on. The blood of Christ has changed everything. Contacted in baptism, Continued by faith. But still, to approach God, we need to have a sinless high priest. And we, none of us are going to qualify for that. So here comes Jesus. Do you remember the story of the sacrifice of Isaac? That was always a troubling story for me as a boy. Especially when I did it during VBS. So that every little kid was there until here. This was a possibility. That God might speak to your parents one night, and you just go to the mountain. That was not pleasant. I've talked to Jewish rabbis that say the language used for um, Isaac there indicates that he was actually in his thirties when this happened. In which case, you know, if you got a thirty-year-old son still living in your tent, uh, it's not as uh, the 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 story changes uh, a bit. But let's leave it as it is. You know the story. They go up to the mountain. Isaac is about to be sacrificed. God stops him and says that he will provide the sacrifice. Well, on that mountain, they would eventually build a city, and that city would be named Jerusalem on that mountain. And on that mountain, one time, God's son would be sacrificed, and no one would stop it. Jehovah Jireh, as Abraham said, the Lord provides. Let's take a look at Hebrews. Otherwise, Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world, but he has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Jesus climbed the mountain. He went to the high place outside the city. He died for us. He was the supplied sacrifice no angel stopped him and he unlike us was a sinless priest take a look at hebrews again chapter 4 and a verse out of chapter 4 and a verse out of chapter 5 for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are yet he did not sin That is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as for the sins of the people. What's going on? There's a whole different thing. One, Jesus had no sin. So he's clear. But the high priest in the Old Testament not only had to sacrifice for your sins, but for his own sins. And we're told, you got a better high priest now. He doesn't have to sacrifice for his own sins. We have a better high priest and we've all been brought into the priesthood because of Jesus Christ. The name high priest for Jesus is a name we need to know. We need to care about. It matters. It matters immensely. The Lord has provided. I, uh, my heart breaks for Muslims, Muslims who have to pray daily, five times a day. And part of their prayer is that the sins of Muhammad will be forgiven after all of these years we don't have to pray that the sins of our savior be forgiven he doesn't sin but he knows what it's like to be like us in hebrews 3 1 he is called the high priest of our profession how you make your money is up to you really as long as you're being honest and you're laboring for your your wages how you make your money is up to you but your profession is Jesus Christ. The scripture makes it very plain. In fact, you remember in Romans where it says, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father. The word confess there is exactly the same word as profess, where we get our word profession. If you make it your life to live out Jesus Christ in front of others, Jesus will continue to live out his life for you. Think of that if people talk about well what do you think of jesus and you say i believe in jesus i love him jesus is saying i believe in them i love them that's all that matters right i can remember back in the day my father we asked my father to do our wedding ceremony and he flew in to denver where i was living at the time because that's where i'd caught cammy uh, and I wasn't going to let her you know, get on a plane because she might get away from me. So I asked my dad to come in to do the wedding. Now, he didn't see her until a day and a half before the wedding. This is back in the day, kids, hard to believe, where you could go to the airport and walk to the gate of where the people were coming in without security because people hadn't started acting crazy by that point. And so we, you know, I'm standing there uh, with with Cammie, and you know, here I hadn't seen my dad in a couple of years, Here he comes up the the jetway and walks right past me, doesn't even say a word to me, hugs her. And he says, we love you, daughter. We'll do anything we can for you. You need to know you're just precious in our sight. Now, he'd never met her before. Why could he say all of this? Because she was with me, therefore she's in. And when God sees you, he doesn't see all the faults and the problems. He sees, oh, that's the one my son loves they're in they're good sometimes people paint this judgment scene where satan is a prosecuting attorney jesus is the defense attorney and god's the judge and they're arguing their case the bible never puts it that way and the words that we use for it are totally inadequate words it's a stacked courtroom the devil can do whatever he wants to but on the day of judgment he doesn't get to say anything he's done he's tossed out the judge is somebody who likes you already loves you enough that his son died for you not only are you saved you're so saved you're you're more saved than you need to be because they paid too much for you now not in god's opinion but in my opinion he paid too much for me He overpaid why is it people doubt him now those people who say well I I don't know if he could really care for somebody like me really he cried at the grave of Lazarus he cried for Jerusalem he was sweating and trembling in Gethsemane in the book of Mark in particular uh, he gets angry he gets upset he gets surprised he knows what it's like to be us Though he came from another world he was not otherworldly He walked among us. He scandalized the formal religious community by hanging out with kids, fallen women, bad people. He was the perfect high priest. He was our refuge. Now I've gotta do this real quick because we might actually do a sermon on cities of refuge as well. In the Old Testament, they had a problem. People are scattered. What happens if you kill somebody Well, back then, their whole family got to chase you down and kill you. But what if it was an accident? Well, sadly, many times they chased you and killed you before you could establish this. And so, if it was an accidental killing, you were supposed to run. And they had cities on both sides of the Jordan, so you could get to them regardless of what time of year or flood state or whatever. You'd run into the city. Then, in the city, there would be... Nobody was allowed to come in and hurt you. There's a city of refuge... The Avengers had to stay outside there would be a trial if it was found that it was likely that this was an accident you were free and clear but you had to stay in the city until your until a high priest died when the high priest died then you were released now the problem was sometimes people waited for you outside all those years we have a city of refuge and a high priest that never dies you're safe. Nobody's going to catch God napping. Take a look at Psalm 18, verse 2, and Nahum 1, 7. The Lord is my rock, my fortress. We're going to talk about rock in a couple of weeks. And my deliverer, the Lord. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. My shield, the horn of my salvation. Horn is a Hebrew way of saying the power of my salvation. My stronghold. The Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. Keith, I appreciate you stepping up for Mark and giving Mark a Sunday off. Would you bring your team back up, please? The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge He is my shield and the horns of my salvation, my stronghold. The Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. But more than that, he said, follow me. You do what I did. You live like this. You give like this. You love like this. You associate like this. Jesus did his greatest work outside of the temple precincts. But he went to church, he went to temple. We go to church, and we celebrate with the other priests of God, men and women, boys and girls. We celebrate, and we share our songs, and we share our stories, we share our goods. And then we leave here to be priests everywhere we go, in every place we go, in every situation in which we find ourselves. Amen, church? And we fight, but not like the world fights, and not with weapons of warfare like the world fights. When we arise, we arise as soldiers of Christ, priests in the land, a holy people, a holy nation, a chosen people. We do things differently because we're not home. We are pilgrims moving toward home and calling others to join us. Let's stand.